0: Okay, is that everybody,
1: uh, Um, um, Vice Mayor Kelman, good afternoon. We are recording now and everyone has been admitted.
0: Great, thank you so much, Serge. Uh, Welcome everybody to the City of Sausalito regular finance committee meeting for Tuesday, August 17th, uh, 2021. Um, As we all know, pursuant to section three executive order N2920, we are holding this uh, electronically. Um, I uh, would also announce that uh, the mayor has had a last minute conflict pop up. So I will be handling the meeting uh, on my own Um, because this is a Brown Act committee. uh, We will not be taking any uh, action. We cannot make recommendations uh, because my counterpart is not here. The committee is not here, but we decided to proceed with the meeting since it was noticed and people have made time and uh, we wanted to take the presentations. So we are planning to have a follow up uh, agenda, uh, pardon me, a finance committee meeting Uh, sometime next week. So uh, with that said, uh, I will call this uh, to order on on my own uh, and then I will just uh, solicit any public comments for items not on the agenda. Okay, not seeing any, um, we will move. We would normally uh, have a motion or um, discuss adopting the agenda. Um, Mr. Francis, do you have any comments on the agenda?
2: Uh, yes, I would like to make uh, some recommendations to uh, amend the agenda, Vice Mayor Cummins. Um, uh, remove items C6 and C7. I've had requests for to present this information in a um, more concise, holistic, and uh, by-department manner, and I will prepare those uh, for the next meeting. Uh, I would also like to request that we move items uh, C8, to below C3, uh, and that would be because um, of uh, an emergency where the presenter needs to uh, drive from Sioux City to uh, Fargo, North Dakota. So that would really be helpful in uh, facilitating his family emergency.
0: Great, yeah, Uh, I'm happy to do that. Uh, So with that said, uh, C6 and C7 will be coming off the agenda. C8 will move up uh, to under C3 and we will keep the rest of the agenda as is. Great. Thank you for that. Okay, well then um, as directed, we will just proceed with uh, your presentation, uh, Mr. Francis, and then a little bit of Q and A, and we'll do public comment as we normally do. Uh, Again, though there will not be any recommendations made today.
2: Okay, thank you. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Uh, I would ask the City Clerk to give Josh Davis from HDL, who's on the call, the ability to speak and uh, present. uh, i'd like to introduce josh to the finance committee or to the vice mayor uh, josh is representative from hdl uh, through which we outsource our business tax our tot tax and um, uh, uh, we outsource the, the management and enforcement of those revenues to that firm so uh, john's about, josh looks like he's ready to start his screen and so i'll turn the uh, josh give us a little brief Introduction about yourself, about HDL, and then uh, the, what you do for us, and then go into the presentation, please.
3: Of course. Thank you, Charlie. Um, uh, my name is Josh Davis. Uh, I am the Director of Tax and Fee Administration for HDL. We are currently the city's tax administrator for business license and transient oxygen taxes. Uh, Today, we wanted to give a bit of a state of of business license as everyone knows. Um, This is our first or or I suppose second full year, but obviously a year of COVID in there of uh, the new tax adopted for business license. We wanted to provide an update in terms of where things are as well as some trends and some items that we're seeing uh, just in the aftermath of COVID and uh, how the tax is sort of moving forward. Uh, I'll be uh, incredibly brief um, in 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 the sense of the revenue totals. Um, first slide here is is really just a quick glimpse at obviously the change uh, that the city undertook, um, averaging around 600 to 650, uh, 650 thousand dollars a year for the prior years uh, with the old tax ordinance, and then with the effect of the new one, uh, jumped to about 1.5. There's some stability there um, in 2021. So business license is a year behind um, in its revenue reporting. So we didn't see any of the negative activity that would have been associated with COVID in the 2020 fiscal year uh, due to the gross receipts activity is, is being done retroactively. So the 2020 period is based on 2019. So we didn't really get any information until recently about how that may affect uh, the, uh, the city moving forward. And as you can see here, we've had a relatively flat uh revenue line so hopefully we believe that you know means that the city was at least from a perspective of revenues not impacted as as much as we had thought uh, was possible so originally we had estimated a potential six percent or so decline um, and it looks like the city's recuperated most of most of all of that so revenues are staying strong after the code change and we anticipate that pushing forward through this year and next year as well Um, Another item that we wanted to cover was just a brief breakdown of the revenue by category. So as we know, we have uh, four primary categories of taxation for the business license. Uh, There was a lot of investment that went in developing the new tax code and trying to identify where things were. Um, We've got a breakdown here of all of those different categories, the number of businesses, the revenue the city is getting out of each category. Uh, the minimum, uh, the number of businesses paying the minimum. So this is gonna be the small businesses that are simply uh, paying the minimum tax amount and as well as the total gross receipts. So I know there was some concern about the total volume of sales and and revenues um, for the business community in general. And uh, we track that as well. So we we know um, just about 426 million in total sales from your general retail. Um, and hotel establishments, as an example, and two hundred sixty-eight million from uh, the service and professional categories. So the the total pool of revenue is staying relatively uh, relatively flat as well, which is what you know, the gross receipts are what the revenue is based on. So, um, good sign here in the sense of of stability and and the new tax rate really kind of coming through with what uh, what it was hoped it would. Uh, n- another quick item that we, that we know is of interest is just how the revenue is dispersed from inside and outside. So currently uh, right now we've got your inside and outside businesses for each category. As you can see primarily the revenues from inside are, are derived from your general categories and it's only flipped uh, to outside being more when you deal with contractors. So this is from contractors coming in from out of town to do work uh, within the city limits And so you'll always see typically a a larger revenue number for the outside businesses versus the inside. The other categories are are obviously typically gonna be flipped the other way around. One of our other key indicators that we wanted to really focus on and make sure everybody was aware of is just where the money is coming from in the sense of business activity. So uh, we categorize renewals as businesses that have been in the city for multiple years. So that's at least three years. Uh, the first renewal is people who are in their second year of operation. And of course, new applications are derived from uh, businesses uh, starting uh, brand new. Um, as we can see both over the 1920 and 2021 fiscal year, relatively uh, again, stable numbers where we didn't see a big drop off of new business applications or a massive increase in closures uh, from the renewal pool. So that's a uh, very positive news as well. So there's some stability there in the business community that we're seeing. This, uh, this slide is a bit of, of just a breakdown by where the new applications are coming from and where the revenue and what types of businesses are coming into the city. So of course, again, as we talked about outside contractors coming in is always gonna be a key driver for, for new applications, especially on the outside. Uh, but we have had a number of new businesses um, inside as well. So all of your new applications in this year, by far the service and professional category uh, gave the most for in-city businesses, followed by your general, and then the uh, uh, property rental uh, coming in, in the last category. Back to sort of a summary here. So you can see the difference in the trends for your business sales. Uh, this is just your gross receipts by category and by fiscal year. So uh, this represents charts in the million. So we can see that in general, the, the, the gross receipts have, have risen in everything except for the service and professional category, which is down slightly um, in terms of their total sales uh, versus uh, the prior years. We, we have some preliminary estimates and we can talk about this just a little bit later on that primarily that could be due to some compliance issues, uh, not necessarily due to the business activity, but due to a number of businesses that are still uh, non-compliant and have not reported for this period. Our discovering compliance revenue, um, which again, talking here just about our abilities to track and bring uh, some of the businesses into compliance that were were not uh, sort of registered or potentially had been registered but were reporting inaccurately. Uh, here is our trend of the new revenue that's been identified and generated for the city uh, over the last fiscal year. You can see a, a sharp uptick in uh, March, April, May, and June. That's primarily due to follow-ups of of some basic compliance work and some audit work on a few accounts that were uh, drastically underreported and with, withheld. So the 231,000 uh, that we've reached uh, thus far, uh, primarily comes from about uh, 10% of the, of the business pool that was uh, delinquent and had uh, compliance issues. But we're seeing a trend that's going up. A lot of the businesses coming out of, of the uh, COVID issue, I'm sure as the city knows, there was an extension Placed on the business tax payments uh, for uh, that just recently expired, so that pushed a lot of the filing out. And as that began to expire, we were able to really start working with the community, letting them know that the that their extension was you know over, and we're starting to see some additional compliance now flowing in, and we anticipate more through the rest uh, uh, before the end of the year. Uh, looking at the account statistics, uh, this is what we uh, sort of discussed. Um, earlier just in terms of the trend that we're seeing uh, currently the city has around 1577 active registered businesses so those are businesses in good standing Uh, their accounts are are where they need to be they've paid their fees and their licenses are good through the end of the year we have about 553 delinquent businesses so these are people that have yet to respond to the renewal back in January that are sitting in a delinquent status and are pending uh, further action we have 1,646 unregistered businesses. So this is our estimate of the total number of businesses out there that have either uh, fallen off the cracks have never registered or did not participate and register when the new ordinance went into effect as part of like a tax expansion. Many of these are uh, still property rentals and activities that are occurring both, both long-term and short-term rentals that have been identified that we're working through the process uh, to, be, to bring into compliance. We, we believe there's still um, a good chunk of money out there um, in, in liabilities that are owed, that are working on uh, to sort of bring into compliance and ultimately get these people registered, not just for the current period, but hopefully to, to add to the business pool moving forward. Uh, there has been sort of a, a, as we talked about with some of the extensions and, and the COVID impact over the past uh, year and a half or so, There has been a decrease in compliance in general and not just obviously in Sausalito but we see this across across the board everywhere cities have been uh, really trying to balance the delicate nature of of ensuring sort of equal equal tax collection and, and treating everybody fairly but also trying to provide some some leniency and some benefit to the business community while they're struggling and as that, as that has gone, there are certainly people that have taken advantage of it for good reasons. And then I think there's obviously, as always some people that take advantage of it for bad reasons. So we're keeping our eye on that. We're really looking to keep that balance of a business friendly approach, but also trying to cycle in uh, the rest of these businesses that still really have not been compliant, not related necessarily to COVID, but even related to the original ordinance change back um, in the end of 2019. That wraps up. Um, business license, Charlie, I can dive into TOT, or we can take a quick break and go for questions on business yeah. license up, up to you guys. Yeah, Gosh, I, I, of questions.
0: yeah I, got, I got several here. I'll let you get through it, just um, <clears throat> freeze the presentation. So um, I know that uh, HTL, when you guys proposed the BT, the business license tax a while ago, you, you actually put this on your website um, as a case study for uh, taxation in municipalities. And uh, you may also be aware that we've had several complaints from um, uh, local professional services, people who work out of their home around uh, some of this taxation. So um, you had a slide that showed us that the gross receipts have risen across almost all categories. Um, I would like to make a request that we receive uh, anything more granular that you can provide. And I'd also like to um, have us consider uh what this means for the overall program um i I believe that taxpayer approval is needed for increases not decreases um and i'm wondering if there is uh, an opportunity here to revisit um, and should we be revisiting and that that uh, question is going to be asked so i'm asking it in advance um so i don't know if you have anything you want to mention about the granularity that you can provide or how some of these numbers based on your experience might uh, trigger a uh, let's just say um, a rejiggering of of some of the of the categories. Any thoughts on that,
3: Josh? Sure. The certainly the city has the flexibility to reduce rates um, if it if it wants to. Uh, that's definitely uh, something that can be done. You can look at exemptions as well for for different categories or thresholds that that can be put in uh i mean in reality the it's totally a decision uh, for the city to make we can provide some additional data and insight in terms of the the average growth trends and where we're seeing the uh the fall off or where we're seeing the primary growth but overall as i said the service decline right now is is not fully vetted out but we can totally as we get more data in, can provide some further insight in that. I I don't think it's dipped as far as it has. Like I said, I believe it's mostly related to compliance issues, just people that just have yet to report and have yet to file or, or pay their activities. It could be that some of these people as well, we have moved some of these people into other categories. So as they started off, they may have been in the professional category, but when we worked with the business community to establish uh, the new tax and put things in place. They provided documentation that showed, no, I actually should be in the general retail category, not in in the higher professional category. And so that that could, we could be seeing some of that makeup up up there in the top and that growth have made up for some of this bottom uh, uh, loss. Uh, but in general, uh, so far we've seen a pretty standard uh, sort of response in terms of the business community. Uh, the payments coming in are are relatively um normal or average now based on sort of how other California cities are and what they're moving to from a collection perspective we haven't seen anything sort of abnormal but again you guys have your finger on the pulse of of the city much better than I do so be happy to provide any additional information and take any direction
0: yeah and uh I'll bring it back uh, after I see we have a hand up here but um yeah I'm wondering just overall I have the same question when it comes to sales tax and Charlie knows I've asked this before how granular can we get Right? If I see service professionals, what type of um, granularity and detail about what we're really talking about, the types of businesses can you provide to us legally? And because for me, this is extremely high level, but also problematic because as you probably know, short-term rentals are not allowed in our community. But <clears throat> you made the comment in the voiceover that of the 1,600 unregistered businesses, you suspected that many were short-term rentals or long-term rentals. And so I really do wanna understand that better because we have a third party that we pay to enforce the ban on short-term rentals. Um, And so I'm trying to understand uh, if we're paying someone to enforce a ban, but they're still existing and they're attributing to uh, this additional um, unregistered, I I wanna reconcile those two. So again, if you just give some thought to granularity and what additional data you can release to us, I'd appreciate it.
3: Yeah, we can provide a, any level of detail that obviously maintains the confidentiality. So, if you're looking for a breakdown of the service professional categories, we could give uh, the personal service field versus the the medical field, or um, different types of areas that uh, potentially would make up those categories. And as long as we have a big enough disbursement of accounts and and no one's taking up a major portion of the revenue, we, we can certainly we can certainly provide more numbers. We can can't give you specific business names and, and and revenues but but we can get more detailed than this for sure this is just the uh, high level tax category so every business uh, in the city falls into one of these categories and ultimately inside of each of these categories there are a number of subcategories that we can definitely we can definitely provide okay
0: thank, thank you for that josh
3: um charlie do you have
2: any questions for for josh i don't i don't
0: okay uh, i'm going to go ahead and we're going to breeze through public comment just because i know there are, we don't have any many folks on the call so um uh, Serge, do you want to allow uh, the public to comment here
1: sure i'll ahead in um unmute sandra bushmaker it looks like she's there let me ask to unmute there
4: hi hi everybody good afternoon on this beautiful sunday after saturday tuesday afternoon tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I I wanted to comment on the um, business license tax. As you know, there has been um, a tremendous uproar, particularly in the professional and services uh, uh, division that works out of their home and the unfair burden that it puts on, on homeowners who operate out of their home. So I, and I know this has been tossed around to EDAC and been tossed around back to the city council and I heard of two ways the city council could offer relief. One is to reduce the rate and, and take another look at the categories. So uh, I'm hoping that we'll do that, but I do have a suggestion that might be more palatable uh, to the professional services who operate out of their home. And that is, instead of disclosing gross receipts to uh, accept a, um, uh, a flat rate business tax license. It not only ensures privacy for those businesses, but it uh, may encourage more people to belong to the system instead of operating outside the system. And I just want to make sure this doesn't get lost on the radar. So, you know, the percentage of doing the flat rate tax was operational under the old system. And once again, to describe it, it's no disclosure of gross receipts and just a flat rate fee for the annual business license.
0: Thanks. Thank you, Sandra. Sir, do we have anybody else with their hand up?
1: Um, Madam Vice Mayor, I don't see any other hands raised at the moment.
0: Okay, great. Um, All right, then uh, since I, as I mentioned, there's no recommendations uh, to come here um, around action, uh, I will only make some suggestions around data uh, which we were just talking about with, with Mr. Davis. Um, so, we think it would be helpful to have more granularity around the types of businesses in each of the four categories. Um, and if you could tell us about business type, uh, I think as a follow on to uh, Ms. Bushmaker's uh, excellent comment, um, it would be interesting to know what would happen if the service professionals category had a flat rate uh, instead of gross receipts. Um, and I think some packaging around how the council should understand the fact that gross receipts have risen across almost all categories. What does that, what does that mean for the program? What does that mean uh, for the city's uh, general fund? Um, and then finally, uh, what do we do about the unregistered businesses? And to the extent there's an overlap with another program, uh, we should try to reconcile that. So I think that's uh, that's what I heard, and those were my takeaways. Um, okay, so won't, won't belabor that. We'll move on to the uh, TOT.
3: Thank you very much, um, maybe not quite as well known. We have been handling the business license for uh, I think around four or five years now. Uh, TOT, we just recently uh, began. So our data collection is not uh, as as good as it was for the, for the business tax side. Um, although, so we do have data from January through June. We have seen obviously an uptick uh, in the reporting from the hotels uh, and obviously that translates into additional revenue. We're up to uh, 184,000, which is the highest it's been really all year since we've collected. Some of that obviously summer is here. Obviously a lot of that is, is COVID is, uh, you know, sort of diving down a little bit and people returning uh, back to travel. And so we're expecting that number to get up to uh, levels that the city was accustomed to before. Uh, just some quick statistics too on, on the average rates. We see that rates were down around $308. Um, early in the year they were down even lower than that um, in late 2020 so the average daily rate um, because demand was low uh, drove some prices down we are seeing prices going back up in terms of the average daily rate so that trend um, is good and should return uh, hopefully to t revenues to some normal as uh, as time moves on here occupancy percentage as well has been a huge uh, is a huge driver Um, we can see that uh, the, had a low dip of 36% occupancy in all of your hotels um, in February, uh, but we're back up to about 74% now. That's uh, good news again, this trend line, um, at least with the data that we have thus far um, is showing some good recovery on the, on the TOT side. Again, not a lot of data here. We didn't have a lot of capture from before we took over. We're capturing all of these statistics now. So we'll have a lot better reports um, over the next six months to a year as we capture more data. Um, but so far what we do have shows good trends. And it is in line with what we're seeing throughout the rest of the uh, Bay Area as well. Some, uh, everybody took, uh, you know, massive dips and different cities had different, different issues with their, uh, with their occupancy rates and average daily rates. Um, but this is really kind of in line with, the, with what we expect and what we've seen in other, in other cities. And again, short, short on the TOT, apologies for not having uh, more data there. What I will say, just as a, as a quick follow-up, I know you mentioned that there was a uh, – that you guys are having enforcement on the short-term rental side. We do believe there's still uh, people out there. We have a list. We can probably add that to the next report um, and get that over to Charlie of the people that are still operating and, and the revenue sort of loss and then the obviously the, the compliance issues of, of having the activity. And we can send that over for, uh, for your review and for the vendor that you have um, to potentially follow up on
0: yeah Josh that, that would be um, I think much not necessary please make sure the city manager receives that um, because if we're paying someone to enforce and it's not happening I don't want to waste money
3: <laughs> right
2: um, and, you know, it's just a comment Josh I mean we, we pay someone to enforce no rentals but if a person is, does rent we want to make sure that we collect the transient tax
3: yeah both. Um, it's. Part of why we have this uh, item covered is because we are looking at uh, obviously people that are doing the short term rentals are also delinquent on paying the business tax because they're they're renting and, and need to pay that as well. So as those pop up, we, we are doing that and and working on them. We don't have, a, a again, everything's been very balanced, right? We've had a very business friendly. Uh, I would call it a very passive approach to compliance lately. We're, we're trying to be just at the direction of the city as business friendly as we can. Um, but these areas are starting to pop up and, and yeah, as you mentioned, crossing over multiple categories. So as we identify those, we'll be letting you know as well and keeping you in the loop um, in terms of not only the business tax side, but yeah, on the TOT side as well for these, for these individuals.
0: So Josh, I have two uh, questions for you. Uh, so the city website says that TOT reporting is monthly and online. Um, so presumably the city has monthly TOT reports uh, which make your type of presentation fairly easy. Do you not have access to that?
3: Uh, we do, yes. Yeah, so the, the the monthly filing and everything is processed by us. So all of that data is, is handled by us. So they're, when the hotels go online to file their TOT returns, they're filing it with directly with us. So that is where we receive the data. It's only recently been available ah. online before it was just really was tracked on paper and was done via the mail. So we didn't have a lot of historical data. But right. moving forward, yes, we'll have all of this activity monthly. We're capturing these other additional items like the average daily rate, your occupancy rates, the rooms available, all of those items.
0: How long has it been available online?
3: Since January.
0: Oh, okay. Um, and then, uh, let's see, I had another uh, quick question. Um, so, you know, what's interesting is HDL, as a, as a vendor for us, has a lot of data, uh, which I know is not uh, publicly releasable but would be extremely interesting. Um, have you thought about putting this presentation together with an overlay of sales tax so that we can track any um, uh, any behavioral trends between TOT and sales tax increases?
3: We certainly can. Uh, that's something that's there. I know we've worked on a couple of other projects for some of the the geo areas the city has both with sales tax and business tax in the past with economic development I believe so yeah. there's a lot of data we can provide in summary form or in other ways to yeah to overlay with um, just based on areas of the city based on types of business comparing it to other uh, trends that was something that we obviously did and we have the capability of doing it uh, before the uh, the business tax changed uh, that was a huge part of what we were looking at with trends ah. and overlaying so that we could see uh, where the gaps were in the business tax, So that a lot of that went into the development of the new code. So all that information yeah, is definitely available, we can provide.
0: Okay. Uh, I do have some more comments, but um, let's just see if we have any public comment. Um, I do see Sandra, if you want to unmute, I'll just search. I think it's just one person. So uh, Sandra, if you want to unmute and uh, put your video on.
1: Sandra, I'll unmute you now, now to share your video.
4: It's funny, when I try to unmute it myself, it doesn't work. Uh, And then you you do it, and then I can't do it, and then we do it again. So here we are. A couple things on the TOT tax. I'm wondering, HDL, uh, Josh, if you know of the city's rules regarding short-term rentals. It was, uh, there are no, there's an ordinance that there is no short-term rentals for less than 30 days in Sausalito. So my question is, who's doing the compliance? You guys or... Uh, host compliance whom we're paying uh, over $100,000 to do this work so that that's one question another question is uh, did I read that chart correctly that the city got 200,000 in TOT tax approximately if you could go back a slide 184,000 is that how much cash went to the city from the TOT tax are you asking if it went into the general fund Sandra yes yes Okay, well, Councilmember Sobieski meant, uh, mentioned at an EDAC meeting that one of our hotels generated a million dollars in TOT tax. So my question is: first of all, are those TOT tax collected? How much does the city get? What percentage does the city get? And where does the rest of it go?
3: All of the all of the tax goes directly to the city. It's a it's a locally assessed tax. It's, there's no revenue sharing.
4: So I'm wondering where the million dollar quote came from because if it's only 184,000 for well since January let's see if we add it all together maybe we're there at what 600,000 we add it all together right for the year okay well I think that um I would like to see that made really clear to the city council about what the numbers really are so hundred percent. If I understand it correctly, hundred percent of the TOT tax goes to the city coffers, correct? Correct. Okay. That's what I needed to know. Uh, and I just wanted to make sure that the short term rentals <laughs> issue with the TOT tax uh, is rather complicated, given the fact that we have this ban on less than 30 days, short term rentals. So, uh, the question becomes one of management, who's doing what to whom, between um, host management or host uh, compliance and and HDL I think we need clarification on that thank you thank you Sandra.
3: I can I can give you the the clarification as I as I understand it um, while we offer a similar service to what host compliance does uh, we are not currently contracted uh, with the city to do that so that the the host is identifying the properties right they go out to all of the different websites uh, where these people that facilitate uh, short-term rentals they try to find those people identify who they are and then I would guess they're they're sending letters or doing something to let them know they should stop so I'm not sure what enforcement or level of activity is on their contract uh, that is what we would do if we were doing the administration so I assume it's something similar um, then you work through getting them to take down the listings you monitor them so we also have a process where we monitor the bookings proactively so I can see that a booking is coming up and you could actually prevent the booking from happening, right? So you can catch it before they stay, not after they stay. So I assume they're doing something similar. I don't know, Uh, but on our side, we're just enforcing sort of the tax uh, requirement. So if somebody does the work and ends up having a guest stay, they are required, whether the activity is legal or not, to, to collect and remit the tax. And so that's what we're currently focused on right now. And then the regulatory side would be the city and and host compliance.
0: Thank you for that, Josh. Um, so, uh, Serge, any other um, any other members of the public?
1: Um, Madam Mayor, I see no other hands raised at the moment.
0: Okay. Um, so I'll just give you a couple of comments and questions here, uh, Josh. So I think um, the data you have is is an interesting snapshot. Uh, but if we take the question that uh, Sanders just asked one of the, um, one of the proprietors of a hotel, uh, reported paying around three quarters of a million dollars in TOT tax. Um, and hundred percent of that goes to the city. So the question then becomes, uh, you know, how, how much can we say a particular business maybe contributes to, to a budget? And I think. What would be helpful is two things. One is I'd like to see a year over year review. Um, This is a COVID snapshot. I would like to see what what this looked like in 2018 and what it looked like in 2019. Again, we're looking for trends. We're looking for understandings in uh, non-paranormal years, if you will. Um, And then within our really big contributors, I think to the extent you can with a confidentiality provision in mind, some type of pie chart that lets us understand the allocation. I, and I, I want to be a little bit wary around lumping uh, information in in some fashions because to say, you know I know that on the sales tax, we lump things like downtown. but you but you know um, was, spinnaker's downtown, uh, Basausalito, Yacht Harbor's is also downtown. One's a restaurant, runs a marina. Um, really misleading to to dump them together because they're both downtown. So I would love if HCL could work on finding a some level of granularity within your buckets so we can better understand the sources of our various revenues uh, as granular as possible. And if I just gave you a problem set, I'll just tell you our Economic Development Advisory Committee is trying to figure out, as an example, that if we increased hotel occupancies in the winter months by 10%, how much would hotel gross receipts increase by? And then based on that, what would be the additional annual increase in tax revenue? and. That's the type of information I would like this PowerPoint, your presentation to tell us. Um, So the snapshot is great as an intro, but I'd like to see some analysis of the, of the data um, over non COVID years with an understanding and more granularity around the types of businesses as they contribute, how those contribute to the overall general fund um, and how sort of pulling on different levers uh, might be financially beneficial to the community. Does that, does that make sense?
3: Absolutely, yeah, and certainly some some data we can provide, and probably some additional economic development resources that our economic development team could provide to help uh, augment that as well. The uh, the only issue I have, which you know, I'll, we can coordinate with the city after this, um, but I'm not sure that we have the historical data on the on the tot, and so that's what I'll have to I'll, we'll have to find out. Um, we it may be somewhere at the city, maybe on paper, we can pull it up and and do some data entry, but currently right now. We only have the data from January 2021 through June, you know, through, through today.
0: Not to worry. I'm very confident somebody on this, uh, on this Zoom has it. I'm pretty sure Mr. Francis does. Um, and okay. a- as an example, uh, Charlie has shared with me that, on, based on his historical records, about 25% of TOT is generated from November through February, right? So four months out of, t- out of 12 has 25%. Um, I would love to see that here. I wanna see that slide. I wanna see that year over year. I wanna see if that is changing. Um, I want to see the allocations and then if there's a sales tax overlay so that we can we can move forward with some economic development decisions uh, based on pulling different levers Um, but that's I don't have enough of that information in the data as presented today
3: great I will I will work with uh, Charlie in the city on on getting something together
2: great Josh let me ask uh, Madam Vice Mayor may I ask a
0: question
2: yeah Yeah, Josh um, what is the confidentiality rules on hotels are there
3: any there's typically not on the on the tot so the the difference here is uh, mostly because it's not the hotel's money right the hotel isn't the one paying the tax Uh, the guest is the one that pays the tax so um, there's not a lot of confidentiality provisions on that they're a uh, they're a trustee of, of the city's money from the guest in the hotel and so, yeah, we're we're not as restricted on that on, on that as we are um, with the business tax, which is a tax that they pay um, versus uh, versus that. So I think uh, I think we can definitely um, do some analysis here. The other issue is you don't have enough hotels to hide, you know, to hide some of the bigger ones anyway. So we're we're kind of limited, regardless. So I think yeah, we've got a little bit more flexibility on the tot than we do on the on the business tax. So,
2: Madam Vice Mayor, uh, may I answer the question about who's paying what? Oh, yeah, please, and
0: Charlie, what an excellent question. I was going to say that's a really excellent insight. Please, we are. And, and I know you're mentioning it now, but uh, when we revisit this in the sort of revised PowerPoint, if what Charlie's about to show us can get uh, included, that would be uh, be very helpful.
2: Yeah, so um, Josh, I, uh, up until 2015, going back to 2003, I used to keep uh, the revenue by month that it was uh, accrued, okay? Uh, between 2015 and January 1st, when you started, I don't know if we have that information of the month. I know when we received it, but I don't know what month we received it for. That would take some digging. Maybe uh, your firm and my firm uh, can work on that together. Uh, but here's an example of TOT uh, at, throughout going back to 2002. And uh, yes, in 2019, when the tax was raised to a 14%, thank you for reminding me of that, Vice Mayor, uh, Casa Madrona did pay $936,000 in TOT tax. This is coming from the city's accounting system.
0: So, Can we see the others? Is that, is that oh, okay?
2: Sure. Um, in Above Tide is our, our second biggest producer in 2019, again, 655000 and then followed by Gables Inn and Hotel Sausageville.
0: And what you're seeing there, um, there's a percentage. So if you go to the one on In Above Tide as an example, um, or uh, fine, that's fine. Um, the 32 point uh, percent, that is the total for uh, TOT in that particular category. Is that the percentage?
2: It's, uh, yeah, it's 35, so the 655,000 is 35% of the total 1.8 million that was generated that year. In TOT? Yes.
0: Okay. And then do you also have something that shows the total of the general fund?
2: Oh. Um, so, 1.86 total general fund revenues are... Yeah, it go, there we go. Oh, so 1.86 of total taxes is about 10% of total taxes. And if we go back one further in our platform, uh, I think... Our,
0: 1.8 million, which is the total TOT is 10% of total taxes.
2: Yeah. And our total um, revenues uh, in 2019 were 36 million. And uh, there we go. In the general fund was... Twenty eighteen, nineteen. It's slower because of Zoom. Yeah. Uh, should we get a total down here? Well, let's get here. 18 19, 18 million. So
0: 1%. Yeah, this is uh, really, really interesting. I'm wondering, um, Charlie, if you and Josh can put your heads together to package this. Uh, information in a way that can help us make decisions around how to better support our businesses and increase some of these numbers Um, it feels like there's a way to use this data in a more uh, analytical fashion what do you think
2: oh absolutely that's why this site is up there for us to be able to drill down and and use it for decision-making it's
0: right so so I'm asking though how how can it be packaged uh, in conjunction with HDL's presentation so that um, we can see it clearly in a snapshot and draw some conclusions around it that the council can, so the council doesn't have to look at open government in real time kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Okay. Any other questions for Josh Madam vice mayor?
0: I don't think so. Those was very helpful, thank you. Very helpful. You know, uh, out of curiosity, Charlie, I know you're, you're uh, very um, agile with OpenGov. Um, I've had questions of folks who've tried to track things in, in OpenGov looking for text descriptions for account number, fund, uh, department object, or JE number. Do we have that? Is that something you can download?
2: The um, Let me share my screen again. So within the OpenGov platform, there's this filtered column here. Mm -hmm. And in the filtered column will give you the uh, fund number, fund name, department number, department name. And if we want to go drill down the account code number and account name, you can do some searching. Like if we were looking for, um, you know, TOT, you can click, there's all the TOT accounts. Uh, You just come down here and click TOT there's a, uh, and then we just close this and it's, again, it's moving slow because of the Zoom link. This, there's a link up here that we prepared. It's a video of YouTube right here of how to use the OpenGov site.
0: That's great. Okay. Yep. I just want to make sure, and for those at home who want to try to replicate what you've created,
2: I encourage you uh, as, as, as we move forward and we start to write some more current articles, I will put hyperlinks because every click is a unique URL. So right now we could uh, click, copy this URL. We can share it by Facebook, Twitter, or put it in an email and, um, and I'll be putting that into the current so that our residents can say, oh, finance CFO is saying, you know, this, I want to check that. And they click on that link they come to the site they see it's coming from audited financial statements and um, you know they it helps build the confidence back into the finance departments
0: yep I agree okay thank you for that that I think that was very helpful uh, appreciate uh, your work there Josh and, and Charlie um, okay I know we've got a, a guest presenter here
2: well oh, okay yes uh, that for item c3 then uh, we're going to turn it over to Chad Hess from uh, from Aid Bailey, Chad and his team are the contract finance manager for the team and he put together a presentation for uh, rents. All
5: right, let me share my screen here. Let me know when that comes through on your end.
2: It's true.
5: Okay, perfect. So Charlie had asked me to put together kind of a a summary of outstanding rents under the rent relief program. So those individuals who took took advantage of that deferred rent. Um, so for MLK Cottages, we had four individuals or four tenants that did take advantage of the deferred rent. Um, here you can see their balance as of 630 when that program was, was originally supposed to end. Um, a $50,000 balance of outstanding rents that will be deferred and collected over the next 36 months. Um, here you can see the the current balances or the, the monthly balances that those individuals will pay in addition to their normal base rent. Um, there is a potential um, county assistance or rental assistance that George has applied for. Um, we are working with the county. We've got given them all of the, the supporting records or documentation that they need to make their determination or their decision, um, so that will help pay some of his outstanding balance. Um,
2: the Spinnaker has agreed oh, to... Oops, yeah, Chad, let, Madam Mayor, if I could ask a question, Chad. Yeah, and try uh, sure I
0: can make this um, about five times bigger. Um, I
2: certainly can, I apologize yeah, okay. for that.
0: <laughs> That'd be great, thank you.
2: Yeah, uh, the um, so uh, I think the current program uh, that the City Council extended was through August of this year, isn't that right? I believe so, yes. And so that would mean in September, uh, the property manager would have to go out and negotiate and, and these recapture amounts and make sure that uh, everyone's paying those. Yep,
5: yep. So our, our original understanding is that it was going to end at the end of 6.30, um, but that was extended um, by an additional two months from our understanding. Right. Um, so those, those amounts are subject to change, but those were the balances as of 6.30 when this was prepared
2: okay and another question uh, under the rent relief program uh, were utilities deferred for all tenants or i
5: believe they were i believe there were no utilities charged for the tenants.
2: okay and that was part I... of the council action
5: yes yep and they, were, they weren't deferred i believe they were forgiven
2: we weren't charging utilities okay and was there the, and there wasn't any other rent relief reduction in rent for the others the,
5: the, for the schools I believe there was a 15 percent reduction in rent um, they did not take advantage of the rent deferred they were they were granted a reduction in, um, in in rent
2: okay and you have a report on how much the deferred rent and the forgiven utilities were
5: I don't have that uh, available right now but there is a report that's out on the shared network drive that I can upload for perhaps next week's finance oh. meeting
2: oh that would be great okay thank you yeah Madam Vice Mayor do you have questions on
0: MLK so I have a a bigger picture just question about what what uh, Chad and his team are doing Um, do you track all of our city rents or yeah what do you yeah
5: we're we're working on a better tool to track those monthly rent revenues as well as the receivable balance to catch individuals that are delinquent in their rent it, it's, been, it's been neglected. It isn't quite to the standard it needs to be, but we are working on a better tool, a better process to track those monthly rent revenues in a more holistic approach. Okay. So it, it, it's a work in progress, um, correct. Okay,
0: yeah, I'll have some more comments, but I just want to understand that.
5: Yeah. Could... Certainly. Um, the Spinnaker, uh, the Spinnaker did have a rent relief program in place um, their balance was $236,343, and that was negotiated to be paid over 36 months. Um, their first uh, rent repayment was uh, scheduled for July 1st, and that has been paid by the city. Um, so that will be an additional $6,565 in addition to their monthly base rent of $10,063. Um, while we're on the topic of the Spinnaker In our investigation, there was a um, receivable from 2019. So the Spinnaker pays a percentage of their rent, and at each fiscal year end, they provide a record of their sales and then pay 5.5% of that. Um, There was a $180,000 receivable that was booked as part of the audit entries for 630-2019, and that amount was never collected. It went through last year's audit as a receivable, and it just sat there. Um, oh, wait, so on, we, Pat,
0: but you guys are our auditor how did it go i'm 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 auditor. not the
5: auditor i'm not amazing oh, are
0: auditor
5: yeah. correct auditor. correct correct um so as we were digging into the that that fund this receivable bubbled up the balance didn't change so we started asking questions and um charlie reached out to the spinnaker and said hey we've got this receivable out there can you show record of payment um they did some investigation, and it was an outstanding um, check on their bank rec, is what they're claiming. Um, so they had arranged payments. Um, subsequent to that, they have paid. Um, they paid in two installments. Um, the first one came about the first of the month. The second installment um, was coded or received today. So the 180000 has been collected and paid in full by the Spinnaker as of today.
0: And so Chad, that was the check for one oh three and then the balance of seventy seven thousand.
6: Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. Um correct. Yeah, the seventy thousand came 77000
2: Seventy seven came today, yeah. Yeah, yep. Came today.
5: Yes, it was received today. Our our AP clerk who's helping out with cash receipts, um, reached out today and said, Hey, where do we where do we code this? I provided the account number, he received that today.
0: And, and how do you code it? Amazing question for you, uh, Charlie, what fund does that go into?
5: 114. Yeah.
0: What's that, what is that though in, in human language?
5: Um, the T- Thailand's Fund.
0: I thought the Thailand's Fund, so fun, uh, you're right, Thailand's Fund is um, leasing of all properties along the waterfront, right?
2: Yes, that are sitting on the, the Thailand's lease property.
0: Yeah. Got it, okay. Um, And then, uh, Chai, can you put up your Word document that you had? So I think it would be really helpful, kind of like you did above, if you could just show us uh, a snapshot of totals. Um, I I know you've given us this narrative, but um, this is what we can expect monthly. This is the monthly base. Um, If you can give some indication of what uh, the percentage of gross sales is going to be quarterly. Um, And I guess I'm a little confused because you're showing a monthly payment, a monthly minimum but a quarterly percentage of gross sales so then it's unclear to me when we bill them for the quarterly amount
5: it's it's a, a little unpredictable from what i've seen i'm just digging into this the the last couple years they have filed or they provided that usually at the end of the fiscal year um i believe with the lease they should be reporting quarterly but i don't believe that has been the case um, they they typically file all of it at once
0: so through through a four-month quarter we would see um or pardon me a three-month quarter we would see uh 16.5 16, five, and then 16.5 plus some quarterly remittance or oh, percentage of gross sales no
2: yeah, yeah. so here the the way the lease works is they get a base rent of ten thousand they they have they have to pay a minimum amount every month yep. Ten thousand sixty three. 063. Um, yep because of the repayment agreement of the rent relief program, now they'll be paying 10,000 plus 6,565. That 6,565 stays constant for 36 months. Now, in addition to the base month, quarterly they provide us a statement of of what the um, actual revenues were. So uh, actual revenues times the percent of rent Let's just say it comes in at $50,000. Here's one of their statements.
7: Okay.
2: Um, and so we subtract, you paid 10,000 three times, you know, as you can see that bottom line, minimum amount rent paid. So then now we see how much they owe for the total rent for that quarter. And then we bill that amount.
0: Yep. This'll be, um, so I guess what I'm trying to do, it's a Chad's point about standardizing this. There's like four different moving parts, right? So you've got the 10K, which is the minimum due. Now under the repayment, there should be another 6,500, which I don't see here. And there's going to be an invoice for an additional quarterly percentage. And it's not clear to me, uh, is that net 30, is that net 60? Um, What's the trigger in our system to collect it? I want the council to be able to look at this and be able to anticipate collection of rent um, over a schedule and have just a snapshot uh, table. that very clearly shows this is what you can expect in January, February, March. You're going to have a bump. Um, we're going to do that. Is Isn't that 30? Isn't that 60? I don't know. Um, I, I want to start standardizing that, and I'm sure OMIT will dig in, but that's what we would love yeah. to see
2: from that. Yeah. That's not a problem, Vice Mayor. We used to do that at, on, on a monthly basis to OMIT, and we can either do it through OMIT, through finance, or to the whole city council.
0: Fantastic. Yep.
5: great thank you for that yeah awesome yep good suggestions um okay so on to the trident uh the trident is is past due with their rents as well Um, they've got about 37,000 of of past due rents which represents 15 months of unpaid rent Um, during January 12 2021 council did authorize the interim city manager to provide rent relief similar to the MLK cottages and, and basically afford, uh, defer that rent over a 36-month period. Um, as of now, there has not been an agreement reached with them. Um, you know, they currently have a balance of, of uh, 34,000 of that was due uh, prior to 630, so that would have been subject to or under the rent relief program. Um, it has been extended, so we could probably include this 37,000 as part of that. Um, but they have not paid their rent, and as far as I know, they have not um, reached an agreement. I haven't been informed of that at this point.
0: And Chad, are you and maybe Charlie? Somehow this works, but you know, Chad and and Josh talk uh, about uh, you know sales uh, about tax and income. I mean, presumably we have those numbers, so we we know what they're capable of of paying. Um, that would be useful information in the negotiation, so that we can be sure to take care of our businesses with a sense of reality about what's happening for them.
2: Yeah, yeah. The city just, well, vice uh, mayor, we need to uh, appoint somebody at the city to reach out to the owner of the Trident and um, bring back an agreement to the city council. Yeah,
5: uh, one of the attachments was their their basically AR register. Um, the items in blue have uh, have have been paid. Um, The items in orange are are really outstanding, and they—I mean—they go back April of 2020. um, You know, they go back 15 months, basically. So these are all of the the past due rents that 37,000. If
0: you call it tideland rent because it goes into 114.
2: Yes, yes. It's actually the parking lot there sits on is what's being leased. Sits over our. Properties are Thailand properties.
0: That's why that Spinnaker goes into the Thailand as well.
2: Yeah, that's why that's why the rent is so much less. Is that they're only paying for the portion of the underwater property that they're that the parking lot covers. The building itself is on its own property.
0: And so, where's the lease for the building itself?
2: There is none. They own the property underneath the one. Interesting. So
5: they're 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 just leasing
2: the the parking lot then, yeah.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. We're talking about Trident. I was back, back on, on Spinnaker. We're just talking about Trident.
2: Yeah, the portion of the parking lot that's sitting on, in our lease property is is how much they're leasing.
5: Okay. Uh, a couple of the other documents that we did provide um, the rent rolls. I'll bring that over to the screen here. Um, so this was this was july 2021 uh this has been rolled forward um for for august but this lists all of the mlk properties um you know their 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 studio number uh, their monthly rent and square feet um, we are preparing something very similar to this for all city leased properties um, for council and i think this would really be the base of what you're asking for is okay what's our what's our normal rent and then what can we expect maybe on that quarterly true up? Um, This is really that foundation that will help us answer that question and provide that analysis to you.
0: Well, And frankly, Chad, this goes back to what I was discussing with Josh, which is the more granular we can get about individual contributions, the more we can understand how targeted efforts might be able to help these individual businesses either by service type uh, or by location. So I'd like to have some sharing of data. I'm sorry, Chad, I didn't realize I cut you off there.
2: Oh, no, not... It's a, this is a, just a little bit of history I was going to provide. during um, Between 2009 and 2015, we completely uh, restructured the um, the whole tenancy of the MLK enterprise. We did market studies, uh, and as we entered into new leases with uh, the cottage industries, as well as bringing in the Lesay francais and the um, New Village School, we made sure that they were at market prices at the time. Uh, we built rent escalators into all of the contracts, so that you can see that in that column there, where they get three uh, percent escalators or a CPI with a four percent max and seven percent annual, and that was our way of uh, keeping them current with market rates as they are. So there was logic, there was rationale, uh, and and the whole restructuring of the MLK facility was to you know make it uh, take it from a general funds being supporting the MLK facility to where it was self-supporting and generating revenue for uh, the city. So um, uh, a lot of rationale went into uh, putting all this together. And then, uh, like, as I mentioned earlier, on a monthly basis, we would bring this rent roll to the OMID committee so that they could see that every industry was uh, paying. We had a zero tolerance uh, back in 20. 20- 10, 2012 to 2015 on um, people being delinquent on rent. We would initiate eviction procedures if, if uh, somebody went delinquent. That's
0: great background. Very, very helpful. Um, let's keep in mind, uh, Charlie, some way to convey that to Council, maybe in the staff report um, that you provide. And in the uh, the rent escalator is also really great information. Thank you. Uh,
5: the last document that was attached to this item was... The how we arrived at the numbers for um, MLK the past due rents. Um, so this just shows the the tenants, It shows their their base rent, their rent with utilities, and then how much they've paid in the in the month under rent relief. Um, Chad,
0: what's a whole the lot here. under
5: Oops, the right. lease
0: expiration? what's the MM?
5: Uh, oh,
0: it was it was way? in the beginning part of the uh, of the spreadsheet. Oh, we'll over here.
5: Uh, M. Uh, I'm not sure um i'm not sure what that means oh month to month if i had to guess that's month to month somebody before me has helped prepare this so i would assume that they're kind of a, a carry forward lease and there's not a they're not under lease they're just month to month probably with notice yep. i can i can confirm that but that would be my guess that they're month to month actually this may answer a question um um george yeah Yeah, month to month M. column l there you go okay thank you yeah all right any other questions on red relief?
6: uh
0: don't go yet let's just see if we have uh any public all right we do have one sandra your thoughts serge will you do the uh, unmuting please
1: Madam Vice Mayor I had a glitch in the system would you repeat?
0: Uh, Will you please unmute uh, Ms. Bushmaker.
1: Just a moment and Ms. Bushmaker you've been unmuted.
4: Hi everybody one other question what is the impact of the MLK certificates of deposit vis-a-vis measure F on these rental incomes? And where are those costs accounted for?
2: Yeah, I can answer that. Please try thank and, you for the question. And Vice Mayor, you want me to address I'd,
0: that? Yeah, that'd be great, thank you.
2: Okay, let me uh, bring it up on, the, uh, on my screen first so that we don't have a double. <laughs> so the MLK, uh, Facility, Mrs. Bushmaker, is is a what we call an enterprise fund, which means that it's accounted for all in one fund, the revenues and its expenses, including the certificates of participation, uh, on the, that were issued back in 2015. Um, ah, here we go, and okay. So again, on on the uh, OpenGov site, which I can refer you to. Uh, we can you can start to take a look at uh, here we go history of revenues versus expenses and just the MLK fund. So you can see here I've clicked just the MLK fund, and we're looking at revenues versus expenses. Uh, the big spike here is the certificates of participation and uh, expenses that were going out that included. Uh, Relieving some of the general fund uh, advances that were, were existed in place. So you can see here are the revenues, here are the expenses, and included within the expenses should be the COP debt service. If not, Would
5: would that show up as an expense though, since it's all accrual, Charlie?
2: Oh, the principal payment wouldn't. It's just the interest payment. It'd just be the interest. Yeah. yeah. So let's see. So these. Oh, here COPS debt service. There you go. And there's, there's the interest payments for the um, Certificates of Participation. The principles reduce the liability within the fund. And we can see that on the balance sheet. Did, any follow-up question, Vice Mayor? Uh,
0: none for me, um, I don't see any from, Sandra, do you want to ask a follow-up? Yeah, just one quick one. So how
4: does that impact how we report the rental incomes from MLK?
2: Oh, the rental income is the uh, is the income side of that first screen that I showed you, and then uh, the COPS principal and interest are part. The interest part is on the expense side. Yeah.
4: So we have we have a net what a net loss net gain? <laughs> oh no,
2: really? yeah, we have a net revenue. Let me uh, stop sharing for a second so this moves faster and. Show you that screen again. There we go. And share screen.
4: So you're telling me that the um, principal payment shows on the on the balance sheet, but not the interest payment. So where does the interest payment appear?
2: Oh, no, the interest payments here. So. So you can see our revenues are $1.4 million. This is coming from all the rental income. Our expenses are $845,000, including the, the um, interest payment on the COPs. And then the principal payments, uh, we can come over here and see what the, liabilities and equities, come over here to the MLK fund. and we're reducing our liabilities, certificates of participation.
4: Yeah, but I guess what I'm trying to follow is where are the principal payments shown on those certificates of deposit?
2: They're shown on the balance sheet. On the balance
5: sheet. When, when the principal is paid, it reduces the liability on the balance sheet. It's not an expense in the view of a, of a enterprise fund for city accounting. So it's, it's, a, it's a reduction of the liability owed.
2: And okay. yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, appreciate, I, have, I
4: pre- appreciate that explanation. I'll uh, go back and look at this tape again.
2: Okay. video uh, of I, this meeting. Well, just I, let's just do a follow-up call and I can explain all that to you. And Chad, if you could just shoot me up. I know I have the debt service schedule. I can
7: look that up. Yeah,
5: I, I have the, the last year's financial statements open here as a PDF. Um, I could maybe show the cash flow statement, and that might be helpful to answer her question. Oh, yeah, it would. Yeah. Here, let me share my screen. Okay.
2: All right, so... Thank you,
0: Trigger. Can you make
5: it? Yep, yep. Yeah, I certainly can. Thank you. So here is the the City of Sausalito um, proprietary fund. So this would be the MLK. Um, Here on the balance sheet, you can see that we have... um, our outstanding debt so long-term debt do more than one year 4.7 million um when i go to the next tab or the next page this is the statement of revenues and expenditures and this is really your your income statement your your revenues and your expenditures um, on the on the expenditure side you're only going to show this interest expense that's going to be the interest portion of the clp debt service payment um, the principal paid will reduce the liability that's owed on the balance sheet. Um, another helpful view would be the statement of cash flows, and this is really the flows of cash, the ins and outs. Here you would be able to see that principal payment on debt because that's an outflow of cash resources. So in last fiscal year, ending June 20th, um, the interest payments was 387000 and then you have the actual um, principal paid the cash paid for debt service principal of four hundred and thirty thousand, and that's reducing um, the outstanding liability. Um, net cash flows so net or a positive increase in cash is two hundred and eighty four thousand. But also wanted to point out that there was a, a transfer out of that fund of two hundred and five thousand. So those are additional resources that were transferred to another fund. Um, so there's I mean there's a healthy positive cash flow in the MLK fund, if you consider the increase in cash of 284, plus the transfer out that was used in another fund. So was that was that helpful to help kind of answer that question a, a bit? Yes,
4: yes, it was. I, I sure would like to see one chart that shows MLK income, MLK expenses, and in the income uh, department have all the rental incomes from the tenants that are there, in addition to all the expenses for the COP. So I can look at MLK as a city asset and determine if we are at a loss or if we're positive flow on cash flow. It looks like we're
0: positive cash flow for 2020.
5: Correct. Ms. let yeah.
0: So let me, let me, let me um, contextualize that a little bit more and I agree with that, that suggestion. So I think as part of this presentation, we do need to understand the underlying um, interest and, and debt service, right? So uh, I feel like we're missing the interest and total amount paid to the certificate holders. I've seen the issuance costs, um, but I think that needs to be, that debt service schedule should be part of the overall package that you provide, so that we, particularly for this this property, and I know Charlie, you have presented some of that, so that we understand the total interest that will be paid on the COPS in the analysis, and not just the interest to date.
7: Sure. Um,
0: so I would, I would ask that that get included when we revisit this particular item, I would ask that um, this screenshot, as well as the one prior on the uh, on the balance sheet also be included as part of the underlying uh, asset management.
2: Chad, you can go down to the notes and get the debt service schedule.
5: Yeah, yeah, so it's going to be combined. Um, if we go down um, right here, right here, this is going to be your total outstanding. So there's your total outstanding for the CLP. Um, so this eleven point eleven point two million is going to be your COP plus your 2015 sewer bonds.
2: That's um, not an MLK. Yeah.
5: No, but but here's here's that that eleven point two that I wanted to show you, and this is going to be your principal and interest for five years. But this this is all business type. That's going to be your COP plus yeah. um, your sewer. The, no. the p- published financial statements aren't going to give you just COP. There is a schedule that I can show, and we can certainly provide that. To future Finance Committee meetings if you want to see that um, I'm actually opening up the Excel schedule now just if you're, yeah, if you're it, it, well,
0: here's the good news I know that uh, mr. Francis has actually already provided uh, the debt schedule on some internal emails with the city manager but my request of okay. you is to package that information you guys are just so you're so familiar with it and you can read it on the fly um, help yeah. us make sure that the community and the council are on the same page very easily. So I'm looking at the revenues and expenditures. I'm looking at the balance sheet. Tie, tie it in for us on, on the list yes. and the amounts.
5: Yeah, I think we can, we can accomplish that. That's certainly a, a, a reasonable request. And I think now that it's made, we can strategize how do we provide that in a, in a timely, useful manner and then accept additional feedback and, and continue to refine it to meet your needs.
0: Yeah, that that would be great. So let me sum up this because I know we have a couple others. Um, So, uh, Chad, you're going to do exactly what you just mentioned about packaging the the debt service and the interest payments. So we understand the underlying liability uh, on any of the city owned property. I don't think any others uh, come into play, but um, I don't know if we want to look at general obligation bonds, if that's important here, but we should understand that. Um, I I think there was an outstanding question at the beginning around uh, rent relief and utilities um uh, that would be good to include informationally and then i think overall probably where this is is going is how do we get ourselves to a place where we have an analysis where we understand what good management looks like and can these businesses or these leases be making more money for the community and you know covid notwithstanding um how do we how do we balance that um and whether and that will impact the council's decisions around whether management of these businesses should be under one person um accountability around that standardizing terms um, having open bids things like that that's the that's the groundwork that the finance committee needs to lay for omit and the general council um so that when somebody's lease expires we we have an open bid process and we understand what's what's happening okay you got it i won't feel the
5: point awesome yep we can certainly make that happen for you fantastic thank you awesome All right Uh, I believe I am presenting on the item that was moved forward I think it was item eight originally
3: um, the
5: treasurer's report Um, so let me go ahead and I'll share my screen one more time Um, so I'll present on the actual numbers to start with Um, so here is kind of a very high level summary of the treasurer's report and where the city's cash resources are held so if we look at, at kind of the par value, uh, $24 million in cash resources, um, 37%, and I'm sorry, I'll make this a little bit bigger. Um, 37% of the, the cash resources are held at the Bank of, Bank of Mirren, um, 8.9 million. Um, we have 31% of our cash resources in LACE, the investment uh, account or investment trust with the state. Um, 17% is in our PARS trust for pension and OPEB, and I will give that detailed breakout on the next page. And then 15% of that, of our cash resources, are held with Bank of New York Mellon um, for various purposes, uh, the largest being the sewer project for future, future projects. Um, so that's our very high-level summary of who is holding the cash, um, on this next page, I get a little more detailed on the the breakout of that cash. So here you can see your total pars, um, OPEB and pensions. So there's 1.9 million for OPEB and 2.5 uh, for pensions that is held in 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 pars. Um, of that Bank of New York Mellon, I give the breakout. Um, again, the bulk of that is sitting in that 2015 uh, project fund. Um, those are those unspent bond proceeds that have been identified for a future sewer project. Um, all reimbursable costs have been submitted for uh, reimbursements. Um, as of current, there may be some additionals that have just been spent, uh, but we did that big drawdown several months ago.
0: Is, is that the same as saying there's no outstanding reconciliations?
5: Correct. As far as I know, I guess I haven't looked too deeply into the capital asset activity last couple months. Um, we're, we're starting our capital asset uh, investigation. So, if there are additional eligible requests, we'll submit a new uh, requisition to BNY. Um, there are $89 in COP funds. We tried to close that account, but we've got $89 of interest. So, we did submit uh, requisition number six to draw those down. That account has now been closed. Um, and then this is our, our debt service fund. This one million um, is uh, 2006 geo bond. There are secure property taxes that are deposited directly into that uh, from the county. So as those get paid, they get sent over to our fiscal host. Um, so that's the breakdown with a lot more detail. Um, and then if I go to the next page, um, this is basically the, the same information. This gives all of those accounts. And then this tells you a little bit more detail of, of like what fund or what account it is, and then some reconciling items. Uh, we've got some deposits in transit. Uh, we've got some outstanding checks. And then there is a, a payroll challenge that we're working through right now. Um, this 80, 186000 is really a, a prepayment of 7-1's pay period. So there's a payroll that it was paid on 7-1. They pull the cash one day ahead, so that's really a prepaid asset. Um, and then we've got this $11,000, which is a a reconciling challenge with paychecks. Um, we are making really good strides on that. We've been digging into that, my team and I, and we've identified all of the items that were missing from our our transaction export from paychecks into our Springbrook system. Um, I hope to have that reconciled by the end of the week, so that thing will go away, and we've got a better process in place. <laughs> Yes, it's been it's been hard fought, but we're glad that that's gone. Um, And then this final uh, page here, this just gives the breakout of cash by fund. um, So you can see which funds hold those cash resources. Um, Overall, if I go to the staff report, um, it just gives a little bit of a narrative. The thing that I do want to point out, um, you know, that there was an increase in cash um, of about 1.4 million. Um, up from 23 million in the prior quarter, and that's pretty standard. Uh, quarters two and four, you're going to see increases in cash because that's where you get the bulk of your revenues from property taxes. Uh, quarters uh, uh, one and three, we'll see a typically a decrease in cash. It's just kind of the cyclical nature of the cash balances. Um, questions? Other things you'd like to see on this treasurer's report? did you know (laughs) I'm hope I want to improve I want to give you guys what you're after um so if you'd like to see more information please let me know and we'll find a way to get it to you
0: well so so here's uh here's the question um so the treasurer's report is as to cash balances and other reports are mostly to fund balances right and they're not identical um so I would I'm very open to recommendations for how wait wait a second the totals are
2: identical okay we are fully reconciled through july total book balance equals total bank balance great
0: delighted delighted to hear so so then i guess what what would be helpful from a review perspective would be on a quarterly basis to get a comparison of the current to previous and a short written explanation of what happened and then within the general fund a spending breakdown by departments funded from the general fund those are the types of reports. I know you're not in charge of the general fund uh, reporting, but those are the types of reports that I think are helpful for policy decision. You know, I, a break I think of, a
5: lot of that. Oh, Go ahead, Charlie.
0: It is open gov. It is, but you're relying on us asking the right questions to get yeah. the right answers.
2: So, everyone, so you. <laughs> Your are the question of of comparing cash spending uh, by department. Versus cash accounting and reconciliation, we can certainly do a comparison of last quarter's treasurer's report and this quarter's treasurer's report, and say what the major differences are. Collect you know property tax payment, uh, you know major uh, expenditure categories. To break that out by department is asking for expenses rather than asking for um, cash flow. So. Uh, the best way to get the what you're looking for, and we, we're doing this monthly, is here's your monthly, um, uh, month one and here's month two by spending by department and revenue by uh, revenue type. We are providing that within the OpenGov platform and we can make that a standard report to the finance committee as well.
0: That would be fantastic, yeah, that would be spot on. Thank you.
2: Now, now I wanna point out that Expenses from July through August aren't going to equal cash flow out from July through August because some cash is going out paying off liabilities, which is a, a liability account, not an expense account. You know, okay. so, so that that's the primary difference between those the two questions that you asked for. I and mean, we can give you both answers. Uh, previously, uh, Vice Mayor Kalman, you had asked for um, cash flow by month. And um, so I have this here in a power BI report. This is without beginning. Oh, sorry. I didn't I'll, I'll stop you. right here. <laughs> this is without beginning or ending balances. So we can see from fiscal year three to fiscal year 20 uh, in July, we have outflows usually pretty negative. Uh, And then in August and September, in other words, as Chad was mentioning, our quarter one is pretty light on, in fact, we draw down cash. But in October, November, December, we start to increase cash because we get our, see, here's where all our property tax payments are coming in. So I want to, Chad, if you could bring back that screen, um, the very, the page that showed uh, the, um, go just bring back the treasurer's report
5: yeah uh, this this one
2: Um, the one that showed how much is in leaf and yeah the next Uh, page there you go this page you you see this um, uh, vice mayor comment the Bank of Marin has 8.9 million dollars in it that means it's earning no interest now if we had it in LEIF, we would only be getting a half a percent <laughs> or maybe, you know, a little bit more, but we'd be getting something. So what what I'm saying is I showed you that first screen of cash flow so that uh, we can put in place a cash management strategy where we keep a minimum amount in the bank <coughs> we're in earning zero interest and we maximize uh, the rest of our investments by putting it in lay or buying U.S. Treasuries, or any of the other legal <coughs> vehicles that we're allowed to, to pursue.
0: Yeah, Charlie, you actually read my my mind on that. Thank you for that. I know that the city manager had asked uh, you for the current amount in lay for Sausalito in the past couple of years of annual interest um, because his recollection was uh, that it was less than the amount earned in other less restrictive funds like the 115. And then you provided the latest statement and the average monthly yields. Um, mm-hmm. I think that information is really helpful as part of the treasurer's report to understand sort of that long-term opportunity um, so thank you for bringing that up i thought i don't know how to blend that into future information provisions but i do think it is very helpful
2: well
5: provide provide kind of that historical yield like what is that what is that investment or that cash resource earning for us um yeah. and this this here is is a report that that late puts out and you can kind of see that effective you know that average monthly yield over the three months they publish this every every month so we could certainly layer that into this very easily for you
2: and and there are ways that we can maximize our use of the pars trust so for example um, right now we have a pars funding policy the july statement by the way has the amounts that we budgeted to go into that trust already transferred so we've uh, you know the, the PARS trust has already grown by $600,000 by the end of July. Um, but we can put all of next year's pension payment in it. So in other words, if next year's pension payment is $3 million, we take it out of the general fund reserve. We put it down into PARS and then uh, let it earn the higher rate of return for the next year. And then we use that to make next year's pension payment. We can do that year after year after year and earn higher yields. So part of, part of our everything that we're working on is to bring back a more robust cash management policy so that we can maximize our use of money and use of property. Use of property and use of money are revenue generators for the city that have been rather passively managed uh, most recently but we can uh, go back to more aggressive management
0: yeah and uh, and Charlie, uh, don't lose that thread um, let's bring that back up uh, when we have the mayor and the city manager I think that's an important that's an important statement
2: okay thank you Vice Mayor.
0: thank you um, okay I have an eye on the clock uh, and I know we have a couple more items um, I, I don't have any other questions uh, we'll open it to public comment uh, ask the city clerk if anybody has their hand raised I don't, I don't see anybody <laughs>
1: Madam Vice Mayor you're correct I don't see any hands raised at the moment.
0: Okay so uh, Charlie or Chad anything else on this particular item?
2: Oh thank you Chad and uh, thank drive you. safely. Yep,
0: yep drive safely Chad excellent work thank yeah. you.
2: Thank you appreciate your time. I yeah, appreciate you. Okay so the next item is the uh, Bay Cities Franchise Review Vice Mayor?
0: Yes looks like it yep.
2: Okay should I start the presentation? Please. And uh, with us, we have Greg Christie. And thank you, Serge, for giving him hey, Greg. Uh, video and audio. Um, Greg, and, and I introduce Kim, his wife. There's yeah. a little
7: bit more of a team here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's see approval, budget, execution, and year update. Here we go. So I'm going to share my screen real quickly and do an introduction and then turn it over to uh, uh, Greg. So, yeah, this this is going to be on August 31st now, uh, and you know, kind of a history that we've gone through with Bay Cities. We entered into an agreement in 2002. This kind of gives us a history and a vice mayor of when it was amended, when the rate review years were, uh, and and you know, major events that have occurred in the life of this franchise agreement. Uh, the big thing to point out is that the rate review that was scheduled for 2020 was delayed until 2021, and um, and they have not had their a rate review increase for all of 2020, 2021, and so it's gone like 20 months. And so um, this rate review request would go in effect on September 1st. Now, I also want to point out that the rate the, the franchise agreement calls for a rate review every four years and then in every one of the other three years of uh, the franchise agreement automatically includes a um, CPI adjustment and the franchise agreement calls, uh, spells out the, the calculation of that CPI adjustment. So, um, uh, <clears throat> so basically the request right now is for a 7% rate increase. They're they're waiving the CPI adjustment that would be effective on January 1st of 2022, but um, the franchise agreement provision for a CPI adjustment in 2023 and 2024 would still be in effect. Um, There's been a regulatory history of of just how you manage waste collection and waste disposal. And those regulatory requirements have uh, some key jurisdiction dates, and and they impose significant um, impacts on uh, not only our local government but uh, the waste provider as well. So, um, you know, with that, I just want to point out that asking for a seven percent rate increase and a zero percent increase in 2022, and then it would be whatever the CPI adjustment calculation is. For 2023 and 2024, Uh, we did a a comparison of the proposed uh, rates after the 7% review with uh, the rest of the entities in Marin County and City of Sausalito would still be at the lowest uh, of the uh, of the other entities in Marin County. Uh, We will have an impact on our franchise fees of about $40,000 improvement and. just kind of uh, the profitability of, of BCRS, it's very important that they remain profitable because we want them to continue to collect uh, the waste uh, would be less than the average, it'd be about 7%. And um, another interesting thing about the profitability is, is the number of gallons they're picking up is increasing, but the their profit per gallon is decreasing. So. You could say that the city is managing the the franchise to um, uh, get as much efficiency and effectiveness out of the franchise agreement as we can while still making sure that they remain profitable remain business and uh, continue to pick up our disposal. And um, and as far as an industry comparison, I'd like to compare their profitability with a major waste uh, provider called Waste Management International. You can see that Waste Management International's trend on profitability has been increasing, whereas the uh, Bay Cities Refuse Service has been decreasing. So um, I conclude by saying that the uh, negotiations with the Bay Cities Refuse Service are uh, in good terms for not only the city, but also for them, and we're maximizing efficiency and effective use of the waste provider with that I'll just pause with a staff presentation and uh, let you ask uh, questions for me uh, or um, Greg and Kim
6: thank
0: you I really appreciate that um, I think we'll just hand over to Greg and maybe Greg you can walk us through um, the statements you made at the last meeting and then what what prompted the uh, the change of heart
7: um. I, I, I don't really even remember what I said.
0: Um, oh, well, I, I think we pro- could probably remind you. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah I,
7: I, I, I remember Charlie <laughs> saying something, and then I, 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 I told Charlie this story, but I, I got shifted. If you can see the background here, I got shifted out of this office into the back room, like, at the last minute. I had to throw a computer together and put it back there, and I was sitting in back there by myself, and people were coming in and interrupting me, and I've been so focused on this for so long that um, – You know I it's been almost two years that this has been going on and so I wanted to try to you know get it and then you know we were talking about the service levels and everything so I just completely lost track of what we were talking about as far as what I had said um and confirmed what I said and I apologize wholeheartedly for that and then when Charlie had sent me you know the updated the staff report I'm going wait wait you know that's not how this and then then he said that and then we couldn't even verify it and you everybody agreed but that's why I said of uh, waiving the CPI going forward for, you know, the entire rest of the contract <laughs> wasn't on my mind. So I couldn't I couldn't you know do that and, and be part of part of the operation, to tell you the truth. So I apologize.
0: So, Greg, maybe take us through what is in, in your words. I know the staff report was the justification for the rate increase.
7: Well, basically, at this point, it's SB 1383. Um, we started out. You know, two years ago, talking about doing a rate review, we purchased new trucks. You know, we had some stuff going on with the wages and everything, but that's kind of just rolled into the operation. But as we went along, you know, working with the sustainability commission, we talked about okay, let's you know start you know with you know three-bin service, you know, standardize some certain things, um, get some better messaging out there. And there was a list of 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 stuff that we wanted that we wanted to look at. Um, you know, then all of a sudden we're running up against this deadline for SB 1383 and, you know, you have to color code the carts, you have to do all this public outreach coming up in, you know, 2022. And really the big part of this increase now is the cart service. I mean, back in 2012, we started, you know, Sausalito and the Sustainability Commission had the foresight to, you know, start an organics program probably before anybody else in Marin County did. And so we have portion of it we had a we had a program that went into place in 2012 that started a whole new route and provided carts for recycling and green waste now we're here in 2021 and and pushing up against 22 and the state has mandated that we have to provide carts for and color code the carts for all the customers and food waste is now something that we have to provide and basically the law you can't throw food waste in the garbage and we as as a hauler for the city are going to be under a lot more regulation and the city has a big burden on their shoulders i mean some of the stuff that the committee was talking about before was a um, you know a mandatory ordinance for composting you know everybody's supposed to composting well now it's not some a wish list it's a to-do list you the city has to have an ordinance and they comply with sb 1383 and and part of that ordinance is, is nobody's allowed to throw garbage food waste in the garbage and you have to have an ordinance in place for that. So the county is working on a lot of that. Some of the other jurisdictions are, and it's been suggested that, you know, we just kind of wait to see those other templates and then kind of, you know, plug it in for Sausalito, but make it, you know, Sausalito's own ordinance. So, and, and CalRecycle has a bunch of uh, literature out there and ordinances to, to be can put in place. So some of the things that we wanted to do as part of just a program are now required. And that's really what's the driving force behind this. You know, we, we you know, and, and and so we trim, you know, trimming down what we kind of thought because of, you know, everything that's going on in the environment where we're in right now. But now we have SB 1383. We've already done 1826 and 341. And I think it's another one's 827 that's focused on commercial and multifamily. We worked with CalRecycle. We have worked with the city and brought them all on board, but that's all been part of our operation. But now... We have this big expense where we have to you know provide carts you know we upgraded the equipment too and that's the driving force behind us
0: okay um so you you kind of captured this but i want to give the opportunity um you know there are there are other sort of i guess uh more green uh type services that are, are out there uh do you want to hit on anything else that you feel like you offer that is is unique uh or um really like
7: a unique value prop for you for for us as a company for Sausalito mm-hmm. yeah I mean we provide additional services to the city I mean within our within what we do I mean there's you know the, the city facilities are serviced um we service the downtown we you know provide other services with root sweeping and cleaning you know so that that's all part of our service level that's in but that's already kind of built into everything we do I mean Going forward, we're going to have more public education, um, you know, more community involvement. I mean, we're working with the Sustainability Commission a little bit more on, um, you know, you know, making sure our our messaging is consistent and up to date. I mean, I've already worked on labeling, and uh, so that kind of stuff is, is is what we're working on. And you know, and just being part of the city operation is what we kind of pride ourselves in.
0: I I, I appreciate that. Um, I don't have any other questions for you uh, right now. I think you're here at the beginning of the meeting because it's just me tonight uh, today and the mayor mayor's unable to join us. Uh, we can have a thorough discussion, but we can't make any recommendations um, since without the mayor, it's not a committee. It's just, just me, but thank you for, for staying on with us. Um, we'll have time. If you want to respond, I think we we'll probably have a handful of members of the public who are here to speak to this. So Serge, uh, can you see if anybody wishes to speak?
1: Madam Vice Mayor, we do have Lauren Willey on the line and I'll ask her to unmute and share her video. Fantastic,
0: thank you. Welcome, Lauren.
8: Thank you, Madam Vice Mayor. Uh, so I am the Chair of the Sustainability Commission as of last Thursday. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Thank you. And I serve on the subcommittee of our commission that focuses on these waste issues. So I'm here today to just quickly voice my support and the collective commission's support for the resolution put forth. I've had the pleasure of working with the commission through the commission with Greg and Kim and the Bay City's team for two years. I've observed this really, really great example of public partner, private, private public partnership uh firsthand. Uh, and while our previous waste-related efforts have been focused on important issues like advising uh, on the enforcement of the city's single-use plastic ban and e-recycling drives and supporting education on recycling, will all be truly tested with SD 1383. It's a it's a different ballgame now because we have this mandatory regulation. So um, it has real teeth. The city's going to be on the hook. Uh, for non-compliance um and we're really driving our new grant cycle through the commission all those funds to work with a consulting firm to help us help Greg so it's going to be a real big project this element of of the rate increase is is really a key piece uh we don't have Greg's uh, there to to help us it, it's going to fail um so that's all I wanted to say. Is just voice my support and thanks for Greg for all the good work and and uh, looking forward to supporting this in any way we can on the commission. It's going to be a bit of a big lift, but we're here to help.
0: Thank you, Lauren. So I, what you're saying is you think that this this provider will help us achieve some of our zero waste goals,
8: and from a sustainability perspective, is is the right choice? Yeah, I'm I'm behind the the rate increase. I think it's what's needed to to do the very basics that that Greg and team will need to do to comply
0: great thank you very much for for joining us today I do see another hand up Kathy Hutton
6: uh you? Kathy you've been asked
1: this? to unmute and share your video all
6: right you'll regret the video but that's okay um <laughs> <laughs> thank you, you. Had to look at me all day yeah <laughs> do my best um, just introduce myself. I was uh, a former commission member, and I served six years. And my uh, expertise is I worked in the waste management field for ten years myself. And so, uh, not only have I big uh, a big proponent um, of everything that we're doing in terms of the recycling and composting in, in San Francisco, and in San Francisco, sorry, but especially of what BCRS has been doing, um, having worked in the industry. Um, And and I'll just say it, you know, working with a mom and pop, I used to work with Ecology over in San Francisco, and then I was at the Ecology Center in Berkeley. Um, They've been fantastic as far as what you can expect from haulers in your city and not dealing with a giant corporation. So um, just want to also voice my support for this ordinance or this resolution and um, for the increase. And I think the important thing to recognize here when we talk about this, you know, 1383 and what's coming at us, why is it so important you know we've been trying as a commission for years to promote composting and getting residents and businesses to participate in the organics and part of this is because of the greenhouse gases created by continuing to landfill food waste so one of the things it's important to note here is that rather than just be like oh let's just be compliant and not be fined or penalized let's be leaders and we're trying to be leaders in Sausalito we believe in fighting climate change and all of these things trickle all the way down to How your garbage is collected and and how you educate your people in the community to be a part of the program so i just want to make sure i'm voicing my opinion here and and support of this and making sure it's understood that it's a critical thing for Sausalito i think to continue to be leaders um, and fight climate change and understand how important it is to make sure that we are again not just complying but leading um, by showing that it's important to do this and do it right and we're a little bit behind in basic things like like three cart system greg is talking about You don't, you get your own garbage can here, which you don't do in any other city. You get a three cart system. It's consistent, it prevents litter. It's easier and better for the workers who are collecting it. There's a lot of reasons to do this Um, and it's very reasonable rate. It's less than most cities. And I think it's actually a bargain. So anyway, just wanna support that and thank everyone and especially uh, Greg and Kim at BCRS for all the work that they've done for the city.
0: Great, thank you very much for joining. Um, Any other members of the public here to speak to this? Okay, I'm not seeing any.
1: No, they hands raised.
0: Great, thank you, Serge. Um, okay, so we'll close public comment. Um, uh, Greg, Kim, anything else you guys wanna add?
7: No, I, I mean, I think if we're gonna continue have another discussion about this at the next Finance Committee meeting. Is that correct?
0: Yes, that's right. Okay. And, and I would just maybe suggest um, for the staff report, maybe in light of the comments, we should certainly uh, relay the comments from sustainability commissioners, past and present. Um, and uh, Greg, it sounds like you've already done so, but if you haven't, um, any detail you could provide on sort of the more sustainable aspects of your business and and um, how it helps contribute to some of our climate action planning, I think would be very helpful.
7: Okay, I can do that. And then I know we did discuss too about the the cart set out and stuff. I mean, I don't think that you know at this time, uh, you know, one of the comments that had come through the sustainability commission and Prior was about the cart set out and you know backyard versus front yard levels of service and stuff. I think there's only about really about 20 to 25 percent of the customers actually have what we would call the classic backyard service, and we kind of I tried to you know provide Charlie with some information about that from the you know from the last meeting. So um, it blends well with how we work right now. I mean, I was asked to phase that in. I did put a reduction in the and um, you know like for ease of service in in that you know take that into consideration so we put that in there but um i would i know again i would just want to point out that i was asked to phase that in so i that's what we were that's what we were trying to do and we could probably look at that as we do a rate review or you know a, a service study a little bit down on the road if that makes sense
0: yeah i think it does make sense um i think that would be helpful additional information okay thank you great
7: okay you're welcome
0: well, thank you for for joining. Um, sorry, we can't take action uh, today. Charlie, anything so, more to add on this? Uh,
2: no, i uh, just uh, mentioned, Vice Mayor, that uh, to Greg and Kim that as soon as the finance committee is rescheduled, I'll let you know when it is. Okay, thank
7: you. Okay, thank great. You, thank you, Madam Mayor. Appreciate
6: it. Thank you.
0: Still, just the Vice Mayor. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the Vice
7: Mayor. Yeah. Okay. all right I'll <laughs> yeah, <thinking September>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's
0: all good. To... <laughs> fine too. Yeah. <laughs> okay okay thank you very much for joining I appreciate you taking the time um, all right Charlie one more one more item with 15 minutes to go I think we can do it
2: I think we can um, so this is really quick uh, we have uh, a Sausalito resident parking program that parking program uh, allows uh, residents with a parking per- residential parking permit to uh, park for three hours in uh, downtown area uh, for free every day um, <clears throat> Historically, we billed for that. Uh, going back to 2018, uh, that practice was stopped if someone exceeded the three hours. And I just wanted to bring back to the to the Finance Committee that, you know, that's probably around um, $1,500 a year uh, that we could be recovering. And I'm just wondering uh, if we want to uh, enforce that policy.
0: The previous yeah,
2: administration stopped it.
0: Sure, 1,500 total?
2: Yeah, it's not much.
0: So it begs the question of um, what what led you to- uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's five to
2: 6,000 annually. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, what what was the overall thinking behind uh, adding this to the agenda with such a small amount? Is this just, are you suggesting we look at the overall policy, overall parking fund?
2: No, um, basically I have a staff member who uh, used to do it, was irritated that she could, not doing it and um, wanted to make sure that the former administration and the current administration, uh, had it, it, that the council is aware that we're not maximizing our accounts receivable.
0: Got it, okay, Th- thank you for that That context. Do, do you happen to have a, a quick way, if not now then later, um, the dollar amount of parking tickets citywide uh, versus meters lots?
2: oh yeah we have oh, parking tickets for no um, I'd have to do some research on that one
0: okay just wondering kind of how, how they compare if we're, if we're missing 5k here um, you know is there something else that's uh, generating revenue uh, you know I, I, I conveyed this to you before I think my major concern is mostly about the parking fund in and of itself um, the CAFR says that all activities uh, necessary to provide such services it uh, should be included in the parking fund, but it feels like we're not including admin. So it, the fund should meet the assertion by the auditor that reflects all income and expenses related to parking services. And then well, I guess
2: my... Yeah. yeah. yeah <clears> the <throat> CAFR does. I mean, it's an enterprise fund and um, and it should be recording all, all of the services. Uh, how, we're, how we're doing that is by transferring an amount out of the parking fund back into the general fund on an annual basis. That amount is that's transferred is set by policy. Uh, for future years, we could actually say uh, X amount is for um, admin, X amount is for parking enforcement within the parking lots, X amount is you know for uh, any other types of general fund, and then the pure subsidy from the parking fund to the general fund can be identified. Uh, that would be the the uh, easiest way. It would uh, allow for the consistency principle for uh, accounting to be handled, and um, it, you know I I feel comfortable making that recommendation.
0: You once again are reading my mind. I was going to actually invoke the consistency principle um, that uh, we use the same accounting policies and methods for similar events from one financial period to another, right? Uh, well, great because it is quite confusing how it's recorded now and what I'd asked you before is that based on what the CAFR says the statement seems to include that not only the parking enforcement officers but I guess part of Lieutenant Gregory and part of Chief Warbacher's time should be billed uh, as administrative expenses and should be expensed to the fund but they're not so you're telling me that we later on move monies around to account for that
2: we do on a monthly basis we transfer whatever the budget amount is out of the parking fund into the general fund the purpose of that transfer is to not only provide a revenue source for the general fund but also to um, you know reimburse the city for administrative expenses incurred by the parking uh, fund Uh, including you know um, uh, the accounting time including legal time including the portion of the city manager's time Uh, that could be uh, another way of doing that is by reinstating the um, cost um, allocation system that uh, the city had and you know, allocating costs for indirect costs uh, out to all the enterprise funds. So um, yeah, there can be, there can be improvements in, in the accounting system to make sure that you know, all of the enterprise funds are paying their fair share of the general funds expenses.
0: Right, and with the consistency principle in mind so that it doesn't look like expenses are recorded in one place and revenue yeah. in, in another.
2: I think uh, a a policy discussion that then would ensue is that should the parking ticket revenue uh, go to the parking fund or since the enforcement is being charged to the uh, parking revenue fund you know, which would then just result in a bigger transfer back to the general fund. So there was a lot of logic that went into the way the parking fund was set up in the past. We can refine that luggage. We can, logic, we can document it, you know, and, and make it more clear. To, so, cause right now it's, it's murky, right? You know, it, it says all expenses are being in there. We're transferring a lot of money out of the parking fund back to the general fund, uh, which includes those expenses. But we could just we could just make it more clear. So it's clear to the citizens. It's clear to the council.
0: I think that's that's spot on. Um, yeah.
2: the, and and we, other, we can do that for the next year's budget. I,
0: I think that would be that would be great. And, I, and the other comment that I would make, and sort of tangentially related, and you know this, um, this is probably an omit question. Uh, but OMIT should be aware that parking for several downtown businesses, especially the hotels, are captured in CUPS, um, and. I don't know how we are assessing that. Is that a loss? Is that a liability? Um, you know, it's it's lost revenue to us or are we making it up otherwise? I just don't, I, I don't begin to understand the accounting or, or I don't know the accounting behind it.
2: Well, I I mean, there's an answer and I, we can provide it, you know, uh, now or later, but the short answer is uh, the CUP says they get X amount of parking spaces and it sets the amount of uh, revenue from them. So. Uh, it was brought up in a finance committee meeting back January, February, when I was just uh, the special project consultant. Uh, the revenue for those CUPS has remained constant for the, all the hotels um, for ever since the CUP was, you know, ignited. There, when I was there previously, there were discussions on raising it with some of the hotels, uh, which led then to other CUP policy discussions and. Uh, you know prior city councils just didn't want to go there so but we can we can resurrect all those discussions.
0: Yeah, I'm actually just thinking about it in the context of the lease competition we had today and making sure that um, you know we're taking care of the allocations we've made to our businesses but we're also collecting the rents that are due um, right. and just tracking and managing that well.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay, um, I don't actually see any members of the public on the uh, on the call anymore. Um, oh. <laughs> City Clerk, if anybody uh, has lasted with us.
1: Madam Mayor, it, I think you're correct. I think everyone is gone. Okay. We Heather as a guest, but I'm not sure who that is.
0: Heather works with uh, Charlie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. our Heather,
2: okay. Our Heather, yeah. Yeah. It's our Heather. It's She's a very valuable finance department employee. Couldn't do much without her.
0: <laughs> well, so. um, Charlie, this is a great meeting. Uh, Anything to sum us up?
2: I just want to thank you for getting us out on time.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for all your efforts. Heather, thank you for uh, helping and uh, working with Charlie. And Greg, uh, thanks for being here and search. Thank you for your time.
1: Great. Have a great
0: afternoon. Have a good afternoon. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.